podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eve, editor-in-chief of the journal, coming to you today with something that's brand new. A number of people in a variety of contexts have suggested they would enjoy audio versions of the papers that we published, and wanting nothing more than to give you good value, we decided to give it a try. This podcast is one of a few produced by asking intrepid authors to read their article verbatim for your listening pleasure. We'll judge the value of this pilot by download rate, podcast ratings, and any tweets you care to send promoting the initiative. If you'd like to give feedback, please email me at kevin.eva at ubc.ca. And if you like this initiative, we'll continue doing it as long as we can find authors who are willing to engage. One, introduction. In Western settler colonial contexts such as Australia, New Zealand, Canada and the United States, the health outcomes and life expectancy of Indigenous peoples remain significantly poorer than their non-Indigenous counterparts. Colonisation, as an historical and contemporary process, creates an inequitable distribution of power and privileges. It underpins Indigenous experiences of racism, which are common and which impact on the psychological and physical health of Indigenous peoples. Anti-racism requires active dismantling of the ideas and structures which reinforce racial inequality. Medical practitioners are not isolated from participating in interpersonal and structural racism, including in family medicine and general practice contexts, and unexamined clinical practice contributes to inequitable health outcomes between Indigenous and non-Indigenous populations. Addressing colonisation in health professions teaching is foundational to educating for Indigenous health equity. Accredited medical schools in Australia are required to teach Indigenous health, and a national document, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Health Curriculum Framework, provides curricular guidance for health profession courses. The framework includes five learning domains, respect, reflection, communication, advocacy and safety and quality. Reflection has as its focus three key descriptors, being cultural self and healthcare, racism and white privilege, which address the central elements of colonisation. These three key descriptors are defined in the framework as cultural self and healthcare, recognise the influence of one's own cultural identity and the culture of the Australian healthcare system on perceptions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Racism. Evaluate different forms of racism and associated stereotypes that impact on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health and demonstrate practice that is free from racism. White privilege. Critique privileges and advantages afforded to white Australian society and understand the role of power relations in the inequitable distribution of privileges. Despite the presence internationally of these types of curriculum frameworks, there is evidence to suggest that across undergraduate medical, nursing and allied health settings, colonisation and racism are included far less frequently in curricula than content such as health disparities or cultural protocols. Similarly, in Australian vocational general practice training contexts, racism and self-reflexivity have been identified as a prominent gap in teaching. The relative absence of these elements is situated in the broader context of Indigenous health curriculum implementation internationally, which remains patchy, under-resourced, predominantly at novice level and not rigorously or consistently evaluated, leaving medical graduates feeling under-prepared for care with Indigenous patients. In general practice training, general practitioner or GP educators are often tasked with contributing to the implementation of Indigenous health curricula, similarly to clinical educators in other disciplines. 
Yet few studies have explicitly examined GP educator preparedness, with little specific exploration of delivery of racism, privilege and self-reflexivity teaching in particular. Research on the framework as a tool to assist curricular implementation is limited. 2. Methods the research question for this study was, what are GP educators' perceptions of teaching the reflection learning domain of the framework? Constructivism and critical Indigenous theory informed the research methods as we sought to understand GP educator teaching experiences of key descriptors in the classroom. Critical Indigenous theory strengthened theoretical underpinning, recognising education as a site of resistance and empowerment whereby the local is grounded in the broader politics of a particular moment, time and place, that is, within the context of colonisation and power structures. 2.1 Context The study was conducted at a university medical school in Victoria, Australia across an urban and regional campus. Since publication of the framework in 2014, the school incrementally implemented aligned Indigenous health curricula with content from each of the five learning domains embedded vertically and horizontally, such that Indigenous health teaching happened within existing subjects in all year levels. During the Year 4C, nine-week general practice term, medical students are part-time in general practice clinics and part-time on campus participating in lectures and tutorials delivered predominantly by GPs. Indigenous health teaching is primarily integrated into a clinical reasoning tutorial in ophthalmology in which six case studies are Indigenous patients. An additional three case studies during the term feature an Indigenous patient. Any GP educator may be required to teach these case studies, for which a tutor guide outlines required teaching. Indigenous health is incorporated in the assessment program, primarily in the Objective Structured Clinical Examination, or OSCE. 2.2 Recruitment The research was approved by the Study Institution's Human Research Ethics Committee. We used purposive sampling, advertisement and voluntary snowballing to recruit GP educators. Participants were compensated with a $100 gift voucher for their time. The only exclusion criteria were having direct responsibility for academic supervision of Author 1. There were 24 eligible GP educators who teach in Year 4C, 12 of whom volunteered to participate. Participants were aged between 30 and over 60 years old and gendered both female and male, seven and five participants respectively. None identified as Indigenous. The median range of years of teaching experience was between one and ten years, with the full range extending to more than 20 years. Only two knew of the framework prior to the study. 2.3 Data Collection Face-to-face -face semi-structured interviews were conducted by Author1. The interview guide included opportunity for educators to read the framework's definition of reflection key descriptors, followed by questions about the educator's understanding of each concept and barriers and enablers to teaching this content. A contemporaneous researcher reflective journal was maintained and discussed within the research team, informing early revision of the interview guide and ensuring quality of data elicitation. Data saturation was achieved, with divergent views apparent but limited new relevant knowledge arising. 2.4 Analysis 
Transcripts of interview recordings were entered into QSR International NVivo 12 software. A framework analysis was undertaken in order to compare and contrast data for each key descriptor both within and between interviews. This enabled us to determine ideas unique to particular key descriptors and ideas divergent from descriptor-specific responses to create a meaningful interpretation of the complex data set. Dual coding and thematic analysis ensured inclusion of Indigenous perspectives via Author2. 2.5 Reflexivity Research Supervisor, Author2, is Indigenous and Director of the Faculty of Medicine, Nursing and Health Sciences, Gukwundaruk Indigenous Health Unit. Chief Investigator, Author1, is a non-Indigenous woman, GP, academic trainee and medical educator with extensive experience working with Indigenous communities. Given the nexus of reflection key descriptors between Indigenous and non-Indigenous worlds, the author held regular reflexive conversation throughout the research life cycle to consider colonialism and the cultural interface. Both researchers' clinical and educational expertise, alongside author one's familiarity with the study site teaching environment, informed interpretation of findings. 3. Results Qualitative data analysis identified four key themes. The first, educator understanding of reflection key descriptors, including sub-themes, what is cultural self and healthcare, what is racism, and what is white privilege. Two, educator perceptions of themselves as teachers, including sub-themes, lack of confidence, expertise, competency, and skill, and who are the right people to teach Indigenous health. Three, educator perceptions of reflection teaching in general practice, including sub-themes of importance, relevance and practicalities. And four, educated perceptions of students' experiences of learning reflection, including student attitudes and student aptitudes. 3.1, Educator Understanding of Reflection Key Descriptors. This theme identified a variety of understandings and misunderstandings of reflection generally and of the meaning of each key descriptor. Overall, most described reflection key descriptors in deficit terms, such as Huge, difficult, heavy, uncomfortable, not a simple thing, sensitive, a challenge, big and hard. And often with the qualifiers Really or very. When asked about the meaning of key descriptor definitions, participants often discussed Indigenous health issues not specific to reflection instead, such as Indigenous cultural identity, disease disparities and practice topics including how patients might access Aboriginal medical services, how they might benefit from having an Aboriginal health worker involved in their care and closing the gap. 3.1.1 Cultural Self and Healthcare. A few described this key descriptor as the practitioner's worldview and the culture of healthcare systems impacting on patients. Some were unfamiliar with the concept, for example, I've never sort of thought about using our own cultural identity and how that changes our perspective and the culture of the healthcare sector. I've never thought of that as a concept. Others misunderstood this as the culture of the patient rather than self or as patient-centred care, for instance. What it means is really genuinely understanding the patient from a holistic sense. You can't separate their medical health from their social and cultural and historical issues. 3.1.2 Racism Racism was described as dominant stereotypes and conscious and implicit bias. Some acknowledged racism occurred and that it acts as a reason for people not to engage in 
primary health care. Emphasising that... Any form of racism, sexism, discrimination has no place in general practice. Others did not see racism, for example... I haven't seen any overt and systematic racism in general practice. Or implied racism was the patient's responsibility, for instance... If you were a vulnerable person and you went to a white, middle-aged GP somewhere and experienced racism, then hopefully you were going to go and find some other GP. Some questioned whether racism teaching was within the scope of general practice, for example. I'm not sure whether we should be necessarily in the tute going, OK, we're here to have a talk about racism because we're here to talk about medicine, probably. Or suggested some may consider it unnecessary, for instance. People would assume already that they are clinically practising and educating in a way that is free from racism. So why would you then need to do the sort of bending over gymnastics to incorporate that? 3.1.3. White privilege. Privilege was described as systemic, encompassing elements of class, sexuality and gender, and education and affording non-Indigenous people a range of benefits. Some acknowledge that white privilege impacted patient care and healthcare access, and that... As a society, we're getting better at recognising that white privilege exists and that we need to try and address inequalities. Others had either... Never ever heard... Of the term or questioned whether white privilege existed in general practice. For example, because GPs deal with lots of people from all sorts of different cultural backgrounds and are probably quite good at doing that. A few questioned whether privilege was within the scope of either general practice or Indigenous health teaching, for example. I don't know if that's part of our brief to teach them that wider view of health and the sociology that governs decisions about health care. And? I didn't talk to them about white privilege because we didn't even go beyond the point of thinking about Aboriginal health and the people's needs. 3.2. Educator perceptions of themselves. This theme identified how educators conceptualised themselves as teachers of reflection content and their role in contributing to curriculum implementation. A dominant finding was lack of confidence, expertise, competency or skill to teach reflection and Indigenous health more broadly, often attributed to a dearth of relevant clinical experience or education. For example... I did not receive any education in this for a very, very long time, so I am learning along with the students. And? I think we need to enable students to have a really vigorous debate, and I don't know that I feel skilled enough to do that. And? When I am teaching, I say, this is what we are meant to be teaching today. I have no experience in this, so I am going to just read it out, and you can ask me questions, but I am not going to be able to answer it any better than what you've got in your notes. Lack of expertise in Indigenous health was thought to be different than for other content, for example. Sometimes in teaching, you may not be 100% across it, but you kind of bluff your own way through a little bit. When it comes to Indigenous curriculum teachings, you wouldn't want to do that out of fear of being culturally inappropriate or insensitive. Concern was raised that... There'd be occasions when some teachers would agree with the students' stereotypical beliefs and so that would be an unhelpful learning experience or it would actually teach the hidden alternate curriculum. Almost none reported having any professional development as a teacher of Indigenous health content. 
Of those who had, it was minimal or informal only. Uncertainty was frequently expressed whether GP educators were the right people to teach this content. Delegating responsibility to Indigenous people, including Indigenous teachers, role-playing patients or student peers, or preferencing cultural immersion experiences because of the assumed importance of first-hand accounts, which, for example, would be much more valuable than a white middle-class person like myself talking about it. Some acknowledge the challenges faced by Indigenous teachers and students in the classroom, such as resourcing and the psychological burden, and discuss the importance of non-Indigenous champions and allies. Enablers of improved teacher capabilities were considered professional development or access to improved evidence-based information in tutor guides. 3.3. Educator perception of reflection teaching in general practice. This theme identified a range of perspectives on the importance, relevance and practicalities of teaching reflection in general practice programs. All reported minimal teaching of both reflection and Indigenous health in general, which many felt amounted to tokenism or lip service. Educators were generally well-intentioned, stating each reflection key descriptor was important to general practice teaching. However, it was suggested that there might be a large range of opinions about how much should be in the curriculum at all. And that not everyone would equally value the importance of this sort of learning and conversation, both educators and students. Many question the relative importance of this content to what students or educators might consider nuts and bolts or real medicine. This might be particularly problematic in general practice teaching, as Participant 3 reflected. General practice is seen as the underdog of specialties, and if we say it's important but no one else does, it can sometimes even make it worse. I think because it's those hippie GPs going on again about all their fluffy-ass stuff, and it's not really important. A crowded general practice curriculum was stated as a barrier to teaching, and in part this reflected uncertainty about relative importance. For instance, Somebody needs to make a decision somewhere as to how important this is, because if we start teaching that, we take something out. And that perhaps Indigenous health should be studied in postgraduate contexts instead. It was incorrectly thought that Melbourne-based students do not, and will likely not as GPs, see Indigenous patients, and that poorer health outcomes or cultural differences are only prominent for Indigenous people living in remote areas. This led many to question the relevance of learning to students, as... They're probably not going to be really seeing it much. It was suggested relevance could be improved by generalising reflection learning to all cultural minorities, with educators revealing this already occurs. For example, Participant 3 reported one educator asked students just to Imagine they are any kind of vulnerable patient. In contrast, some acknowledge there are unique elements to Indigenous health and that it is Vital not to conflate. Many stated they did not know how you would incorporate teaching on reflection, while some pondered a few suggestions. One idea was to role model reflection attributes, for example, by trying to be as careful as possible not to stereotype, not being demonising, not blaming someone for their issues. Some thought either their own or students' experiences as a minority or of racism could be a valuable team resource to facilitate learning of Indigenous experiences. 
Some suggested self-reflection activities could be explicitly incorporated, for example. At the start of a case, a question could be asked, how does your own culture impact on the way that you deal with this particular patient? Reflect on what that might mean. Some suggested they do or could share experiences of working with Indigenous patients or of their own learning journeys, similar to sharing other anecdotes from their practice. Some expressed this could be challenging, for example. I've admitted to students previously that I've made mistakes, but admitting that you might have unconscious bias I think would be really difficult. I can't think of a time that I ever have. Some felt incorporating this deeper exploration of ideas would require a psychologically safe space. It was believed examinations drive student engagement in learning and that reflection key descriptors are not currently assessed. Not particularly accessible or almost impossible to examine authentically. 3.4. Educator perceptions of students. This theme identified educator beliefs about the role of student attitudes and aptitudes as enablers or barriers to teaching. Many believe students were disinterested, lack foundational knowledge, don't have self-reflective skills, find reflexivity uncomfortable or were unwilling to expand their view to incorporate other perspectives. Additionally, some felt students lacked life experience or clinical experience and as such, reflection learning may be too big a jump to make. Others believe students may hold preconceived ideas or be inherently racist. Educators has experienced students showing resistance to having racist ideas challenged or believed students may suppress racist beliefs. For example, because everyone is politically correct and knows what to say in the room. In contrast, others felt this generation of students were increasingly engaged in equity topics and far more open-minded than perhaps we were at that age. And that some students love reflection learning. Four, discussion. This study described GP educators' perceptions and experiences of teaching the reflection learning domain of the framework and is the first research to do so. 4.1, educator capabilities. General practitioner educators generally felt ill-prepared to teach Indigenous health, which mirrors findings in other clinical educator cohorts in both Australia and internationally. In particular, there were significant levels of discomfort with teaching content related to reflection key descriptors. Most thought their teaching expertise was hampered by limited clinical or educational experience. There is little understanding of what constitutes effective educator preparation. Clinical experience or skill alone, however, does not always translate to good teaching practice, and notably, there was a prominent absence in the educator group of clearly articulated pedagogy that would enable an anti-racist, self-reflexive approach to reflection teaching. 4.2. Absence of anti-racism. Racism was primarily understood as interpersonal and as experienced by Indigenous peoples rather than enacted by non-Indigenous people. There was limited appreciation of the presence of structural or systemic racism within healthcare or within educational contexts. This was further reinforced by most preferencing delegation of teaching to Indigenous peoples, which is inconsistent with an anti-racism approach which asks how we are all influenced by forces of racism. 
Despite stating each reflection key descriptor was important to general practice teaching, participants expressed a range of inaccurate, devaluing beliefs about reflection that have also been revealed in other educator groups, including that it is not real medicine, not accessible or best taught elsewhere. Indeed, these beliefs reflect Indigenous peoples' lived experience of systemic racism. While consciously well-intentioned regarding the need to improve Indigenous health education, participants remained unconscious participants in the ethnocentrism of the institution of Western medicine. This exemplifies a position of privilege that enables non-Indigenous educators to choose to minimise content delivered in the classroom despite its inclusion in the curriculum. It further perpetuates a hidden curriculum that indirectly teaches systemic racism by excluding Indigenous lives from the practice of medicine. 4.3. Reluctance for self-reflexivity. Comparable to studies showing persistence of othering in Indigenous health teaching, educators' conception of what is Indigenous health did not readily include turning the lens upon the self, the practitioner. This promoted misrepresentation of indigeneity as pathology, wherein the problem of Indigenous health inequity lies within Indigenous peoples. The reluctance for educator self-reflection restricted examination of non-Indigenous contribution to colonial determinants of Indigenous health. For example, in regard privilege, the tendency to focus on social determinants avoided the consideration of whiteness as a phenomena that perpetuates ongoing oppression of Indigenous peoples as distinct to other less privileged groups. There was also pedagogical uncertainty regarding managing student responses to self-reflexive learning, described as a barrier rather than the heart of reflection teaching. Skill in managing discomforting emotions arising from engaging with these concepts within oneself as an educator and students is likely key to teaching reflection, but largely absent within participants. 4.4 Implications for Curriculum Implementation the combination of insufficient pedagogical expertise, educator discomfort and devaluing beliefs as markers of educator preparedness to teach effectively will impact student learning and likely impacts Indigenous student engagement and retention. Institutions must question whether poor quality teaching is better than none, especially regarding the perseverance of hidden curricula and to consider whether clinical educators from other disciplines would describe similar perspectives as this GP educator cohort. Curriculum implementation in Australia, as well as comparable Western settler colonial countries, ranges from standalone Indigenous health subjects to integrated approaches such as that of the study institution, with challenges identified by many institutions as to how best to share teaching responsibility. This study further raises questions as to who is best placed to teach reflection-related content in particular. There is an inequitable representation of Indigenous educators and there is an argument for non-Indigenous people to at least partner in the teaching of this content or to take greater, not lesser, responsibility for it, given that reflection is significantly about non-Indigenous practitioners learning about themselves. However, substantial institutional and educator investment may be required to adequately prepare a broad non-Indigenous educator group. Vital to addressing this is active research that seeks to understand how best to prepare educators and that which explores innovative evidence-based teaching approaches, in particular options that may not rely on integrated curriculum implementation by non-expert clinical educators.
In the global era of Black Lives Matter, medical education must consider how to urgently embed stronger anti-racist and self-reflexive pedagogy. In Australia, despite medical schools being mandated to teach in Indigenous health, an anti-racism approach is not specified, raising questions as to curriculum accreditation standards. 4.5 Limitations Addressing reflection through medical education is only one prong of a comprehensive approach needed to improve primary health care for Indigenous patients, particularly considering uncertainty as to the degree of downstream impact that Indigenous health education has on patient outcomes. Addressing these factors is beyond the research scope. Translatability of these findings to geographically distinct medical schools may be limited by variations in GP educators' expertise and approaches to curriculum implementation. The sample size for the study was relatively small. However, there was sufficient information power, given the study aim, the quality of the data collected, and the specificity of the participants to the research question. Furthermore, the strength of the study's use of critical Indigenous theory enabled an analysis strategy that focused on how educators perceive teaching of reflection at the local level, and to identify how this is working or not working as part of the struggle towards desired health equity. 5. Conclusion General practitioner educators lacked sufficient knowledge and pedagogical expertise on anti-racism and self-reflexivity for effective reflection teaching. Inaccurate and devaluing beliefs about Indigenous health education alongside educator discomfort contributed to minimisation of reflection content in the classroom, despite the presence of a comprehensive curriculum framework. It may be timely to consider whether the framework approach to integration of Indigenous health curricula, which requires many educators to have responsibility for Indigenous health teaching, is realistic. Hi, Medical Education Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eve, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, coming to you today with something that's brand new. A number of people in a variety of contexts have suggested they would enjoy audio versions of the papers that we published, and wanting nothing more than to give you good value, we decided to give it a try. This podcast is one of a few produced by asking intrepid authors to read their article verbatim for your listening pleasure. We'll judge the value of this pilot by download rate, podcast ratings, and any tweets you care to send promoting the initiative. If you'd like to give feedback, please email me at kevin.eva at ubc.ca. And if you like this initiative, we'll continue doing it as long as we can find authors who are willing to engage.